Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, and I'm doing this one solo. I'm all by myself here, but we're going to have an awesome show. We're going to talk about and sort of summarize some of the major predictions for the 2023 housing market. Now, if you follow the show, and hopefully you listen to lots of episodes, you've probably heard a recent episode where we had the full panel and everyone came on and talked about their expectations for 2023, which was a really fun show. But we've also wanted to know what other experts in the industry, perhaps people who maintain or build their own financial models or forecast models, think are going to happen next year. And one of my favorite sources for data in the entire real estate industry is Redfin. If you listen to this show or follow me on social media, you probably hear me quoted a lot. They actually have a ton of free data too. So if you want to download data or use their, uh, if you want to just understand data about your local market, highly recommend you check out the Redfin Data Center. This is not some paid sponsorship. I just use that website all the time. So you should check that out. But they also put out um, some reports and predictions based on all of their research. And today I'm going to go through some of the predictions that they are making for 2023. I'm going to explain mostly why they think these things are going to happen. I'll provide my own opinion on these predictions, provide some color. And I think it will give you a really good sense in a holistic manner of what is going to happen or what is sort of the most probable 
thing to happen in 2023. Of course, no one knows what's going to happen. There's just so much and unending uncertainty with the economy. Just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen inflation numbers that were very encouraging, but then a few days later, the Fed raised the interest rates anyway. Very uncertain if there's going to be a recession next year. So we don't know what's going to happen, but we always, as investors, should be developing our own investment thesis, right? We should keep in our minds what we expect or at least think is the most likely scenario in the coming months so that we can make decisions. Because if you just have no opinion or just say, "There's, I have no idea what's going to happen, it's really hard to make decisions, whether even if your decision is to hold off on investing, you know, that's okay, but that should be based on some thesis or belief about what's going to happen in the housing market and what's the best way to use your money in the coming months. So hopefully this show is going to be super helpful to you. I think there's some really fun and interesting facts in here. We're going to take a quick break. And after that, we'll come back with these predictions. We know you've heard it before. Cash flow is getting very hard to find. There's always long distance investing, but you may be thinking, I don't have a team, enough experience, or the market knowledge to get in. That's where you're wrong. And it's also where Rent to Retirement comes in. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest out of state with confidence. They've got single family, multifamily, new build, and syndication opportunities across multiple markets. They even have bird deals with immediate equity. Rent to Retirement helps investors learn how to build a bulletproof business plan with the best investment in tax strategies around to help you reach financial freedom through real estate. There's no excuse not to get started in real estate investing when you have the right team and systems already in place. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
Redfin's first prediction for 2023 is that home sales will fall to their lowest level since 2011 with a slow recovery in the second half of the year. So I actually strongly agree with this. If you've been following data over the last couple of months, you've seen that the volume of home sales, and I just want to make sure that you know that this prediction is not about home prices. This is about home sales, like the number of homes that transact every single year. That is what Redfin is predicting is going to fall to the lowest level since 2011. And I actually agree with this. I, I don't know necessarily know if we'll fall to 2011 or you know something similar to that, but I do think we're going to see a very big decline in home sales volume. And this is really important. I think most people who are casually looking at the housing market sort of pay attention to housing prices first and foremost, but housing volume drives the entire industry. It has a huge impact on prices, first of all, because if volume goes down, that usually signals that there's less demand in the market and that can soften prices. But it also has huge implications for all of the different services, for example, being a real estate agent or loan officers or all the different things that tangentially touch the real estate investing world. And so what Redfin is saying here is that they think that there's going to be a huge decline in 2023. And I agree, but let me just caveat saying why I agree with this. It's because I think the first half of the year is going to see big declines in a year-over-year -year sense. And when we compare things, you know, in a calendar year, that's how everyone wants to talk about things. But when we look at 2022 and what's happened over this last year, you see two very different markets. In the first half of 2021, things were booming. Prices were going up like crazy. Homes were transacting really quickly. Second half of 2022, we've seen a change to that. So when we look at 2023 and we compare the first half of 2023 to 2022, it's going to look like a huge decline, right? Because last year, the first half was crazy and we all know the market has cooled and it's not going to go crazy again in the first half of next year, in my opinion. And so we're going to see a really dramatic change in year over year numbers for the next couple of months. But that to me doesn't really necessarily signal that things are necessarily getting worse from where they are right now. Because we've already seen home sales volume tank, right? Since June, they've been going down. We're now, I'm recording this in the middle of December, and we're see, already seeing that that home sales volume is down. And so this is why I think Redfin is saying that they'll see a, a slow recovery in the second half of next year. Because again, first half of the next year, we'll be comparing to a crazy 2022. Second half of next year, we'll be comparing to a slow half of 2022. And so we might see a recovery in home sales on a year over year basis towards the second half of next year. So why is this happening? Like, why are we seeing this decline? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? It's because we have low affordability, right? Buyers just don't want to buy right now. Sellers don't want to sell right now. That is a perfect situation for lot, very few homes to start transacting. I've called it a stalemate. We've called it a standoff, a tug of war, whatever you want to call it. Basically, sellers have anchored in their mind the prices from June of 2022. Whether that's right or wrong, I think it's a little bit crazy, but basically they were like, if I had sold in June, I would have made 
you know, 20% more. And now they're going to hold out for that number for better or worse. That's what they want and they don't want to sell. Buyers, on the other hand, just can't afford prices the way they are right now. Prices went up and they were affordable when interest rates were two and a half or 3%. But now that they're six and a half percent, or I think they're actually lower than that as of this recording, but they're averaging around six and a half percent right now, six and a half percent, it's just not affordable. So they don't want to buy. And until one of those things change, I don't think we're going to see home sales volume increase. And to me, the thing that has to change is mortgage rates. And and we'll talk about that with the second prediction. Prediction number two from Redfin is that mortgage rates will decline ending the year below 6%. To me, this is the single most important variable in 2023. And all of the other predictions that Redfin is making, all the other things that I am saying here are really predicated on what happens with mortgage rates. I just said this, right? What is going on in the housing market is affordability is too low, and that is preventing people from buying. It's pushing down prices so people don't want to sell. The main thing, you know, affordability has three three components, right? It's home prices, debt, you know, mortgage rates, and wages. And wages are still going up a little bit, but that happens pretty slowly. Home prices are coming down, but probably not enough to offset the increase in mortgage rates so far. So what has to happen to restore some, you know, energy to the housing market is mortgage rates have to go down. And so this prediction, mortgage rates will decline ending the year below 6%, would, I think, restore some energy to the housing market. But I don't think we're going to see this again. I think 2023 is going to be just like 2022 in the in the sense that it's going to be a tale of two halves, right? 2022, you can't describe the housing market in 2022 because the first half and the second half were totally different. I think we're going to see something similar in 2023 where the first half of 2023, we're going to still see a lot of uncertainty in the economy. Mortgage rates are probably going to hang out where they are right now in the mid sixes, might go up near seven again, might, you know, hover near six. But let's say between six and seven is probably going to be the average, in my opinion, um, for the next couple of months. But then in the second half of next year, a lot of things could play out, right? Inflation, there is a there is a, a case that inflation goes down. There's a case that there's a huge recession and mortgage rates go down because of that. There's a case that the Fed's cut interest rates. I think there are a lot of different scenarios where mortgage rates actually go down. And I know that is confusing to people because just two days ago, the Fed raised interest rates again. And actually, mortgage rates went down right after that. So let me just take a second and explain some of the different scenarios as why Redfin believes mortgage rates will go down in 2023. And I tend to agree with this. So the first is the more obvious scenario, which is that slowing inflation slows and the Fed um, stops raising their federal funds rate. Now, the the report that came out in mid-December reflects November numbers and shows that inflation on top level came down from 7.7% to 7.1%. Don't get me wrong. 7.1% inflation is unacceptably high. It is crazy. It's still one of the highest numbers we've seen in decades. But that is the fifth month in a row that the CPI has fallen. And I think the most important thing to take away from the CPI report from the other day 
is that prices only went up 0.1% in March. That is one of the slowest monthly increases that we've seen. And when we talk about the core CPI, which takes out the volatile food and energy sectors, that only went up 0.2%, which is the slowest monthly increase since August of 2021. So we are really seeing the pace of inflation start to come down. Now, I know most Americans are not happy with inflation. It's still way too high. I totally agree. But this is the beginning of potentially a trend. And if this trend continues, for example, if we see 0.1% month over month inflation rates will be below the Fed's target by June. So this could signal that inflation is starting to get under control. And if that happens, the Fed could start stop raising their federal fund rate, which would stop putting upward pressure on bond yields and could make mortgage rates settle down. We could also see the spread between bond yields and mortgages start to come down. So that is one you know, scenario that is looking more and more likely right now because we've seen good inflation prints the last couple of months. And in my opinion, there are some things that point to inflation coming down even more, mostly shelter costs. So this is kind of wonky, but the way that the, you know, this last month, the main thing that was keeping inflation high was shelter, which is basically rent and something that they call owner's equivalent rent, basically what a homeowner would buy, uh, would pay in rent if they were renting their house instead of owning it. And the way that is collected in the CPI um, just kind of sucks. It's really lag. It lags a lot. And so it's still showing in the CPI that rents are going up really rapidly. But if you look at more current private sector data. Um, there's tons of it out there. Like real page is a really good one. If you want to check it out, you can see that rents are, are flat or falling in most markets. And so that, that reality has been happening since like July or August, but it's not reflected in the re- inflation report yet. And that is the main thing showing inflation going up in CPI. So when the real data starts to flow through the CPI, you know, in the first quarter of 2023, I think we're going to see inflation come down even more. So I think this is one likely scenario. The second likely scenario that could push down mortgage rates, and I've talked about this before, is basically a recession. And I know that is confusing, but basically what happens if, you know, if the Fed overcorrects, if they raise interest rates too much, which is another likely scenario right now, right? Inflation is going down, but they're still raising interest rates. So another likely scenario is that they're, they overcorrect and that there is a global recession. What happens in a global recession is that investors tend to look for safe investments. And one of the safest investments in the world is U.S. treasuries like the 10-year bond. And when people want that bond, that increases demand and that pushes down yields. Again, I've said this many times on the show, but bond yields dictate mortgage rates. And so when that pushes down yields, that could push down mortgage rates. So that is another very likely scenario, right? We could have a big recession. Bond yields could go down and mortgage rates could come down with it. At the same time, if there's a big recession, the Fed might realize that they overcorrected and cut interest rates. Another thing that could help bring down mortgage rates. So those two scenarios, I think, are probably the more likely and why I agree that mortgage rates will probably come down in 2023. There is one scenario where mortgage rates rise, though. There's probably few, but the the most likely that I see is where the Fed raises rates like they are right now, but we don't go into a recession. They call this kind of like a soft landing, but like maybe they keep raising interest rates 
which will put upward pressure on bond yields and mortgage rates. But if we're not in a recession, then we won't see this huge demand for bonds that pushes down yield. So that is another scenario that could happen. I don't know which of the three is most likely, but to me, two of the most likely scenarios push mortgage rates down and only one of the three likely scenarios pushes rates up. And so to me, I think the more probable outcome, and again, we don't know what's going to happen and you should be thinking in probabilities. That's that's the best way to, to think as an investor, in my opinion. I think the most probable scenario is that mortgage rates go down in the second half of 2023. I don't think this is going to happen right away. So that's that's my reaction to prediction number two, that uh, mortgage rates will decline. I don't know if they're going to be below 6% too. Like that that's a specific forecast that I don't know. But I think, you know, I think they'll be somewhere, you know, between let's say five and a half and six and a half, right? So they will come down from the recent average. Um, and I think that will probably reinvigorate the housing market a little bit. The third prediction Home prices will post their first year-over-year decline in a decade, but the U.S. will avoid a wave of foreclosures. Strongly agree on both of these. So number one, Redfin is predicting a 4% year-over-year drop. I've made my predictions on YouTube. You can check those out. But my my estimate, and I don't maintain financial models. I basically, I'm a data analyst, right? I don't have all these like economic models, but I can look at historical data and trends. And my opinion is that we'll probably see uh, a national level decline in housing prices somewhere between three and 8% next year. And remember that this is on a national basis. Every market is going to behave differently. Um, and you know, you have to really understand each of your markets. So I'm just talking about on a national basis. And I think the really interesting thing here about Redfin's prediction is that they're basically admitting, if you look at the details, that they don't really know that this is a really hard one to predict. So in each of their predictions, they provide, you know, a what they call a base case, which is what they think is going to be the most likely. They provide upside. So this is like what happens if everything goes well or downside. Basically, if everything goes poorly, what's like the worst case scenario? You know, in, in data analytics or data science, you, you often call, you see something called like a confidence interval, right? Or you see basically a band of, of likely outcomes. And again, this is sort of maybe this is becoming a theme for this episode, but like you want to think in probabilities, right? People are making these predictions like it will be 4%. But really when they do their analysis, it shows that like it's pro- like the most likely a score percent, but they are really confident that it's going to be between 3% and negative 11%, right? That's like really what the math comes out to be. And that's actually what they say on their website. So this is the headline that they declined 4%, but when you look at the details, but what they're saying is that they see a scenario, it's not their most probable scenario, but they see a scenario where home prices actually go up 3% next year. That's probably if mortgage rates drop considerably. Their base case, what they think the most likely scenario is negative 4%. And they also think the downside is negative 11%. So they also see a scenario, again, not the most probable scenario, but they see a scenario where national housing prices could go down 11%. So I think that this is a good analysis, honestly. Uh, I do think that the most likely scenario is mid-single-digit declines. Again, I'm saying negative 3 to negative 8% is my belief. But there is downside risk. Like There is a chance that things go way worse. You know, if there's huge job losses or foreclosures or you know, mortgage rates go to 10%. Yes, that can happen. I don't think that's the most likely scenario, but that can happen. There's also a case that 
Mortgage rates, you know, mortgage rates fall and home prices go up next year. I don't think that's the most likely scenario, but that could happen. So I think this is a pretty good, sober analysis of what's happening in the housing market. And my, I am personally anticipating a modest, you know, a, like, a, like I said, a single digit decline in national housing prices next year. Now, there was a second part of this prediction, which was that the U.S. will avoid a wave of foreclosures. And I definitely agree with that. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, Rick Sharga from Adam Data on. He is an expert in foreclosures. Um, we already did the interview. We're, you know, we're banking a couple shows before the holidays. Um, so I already spoke to Rick uh, yesterday, and he was talking about foreclosures. And although there is going to be a tick up, um, we're still far below normal levels. Um, and there's very low risk of foreclosures. Um, people, very few people are underwater on their mortgages right now. Um, you know, even like Redfin came out and said this, that even if their base case of negative 4% growth next year, if home prices go down 4%, only 3% of people who bought during the pandemic would be underwater. So that's very few people would be underwater. Being underwater doesn't mean you're going to go under for, you know, into foreclosure as long as you keep making your payments. So that means very few people are at risk of foreclosure. And this is why Redfin, and I totally agree, I strongly agree with this, that there won't be a wave of foreclosures. If you want to learn more about that, check out the interview with Rick Sharga. It's coming out in like a week, I think. Um, really fascinating conversation with Jamil, Rick, and I. So um, check that one out. All right. So... That's what everyone wants to know, right? That's the big headline, right? I think housing prices are going to go down on a national level uh, in the single digits. So does Redfin. Uh, prediction number four, the Midwest and Northeast will hold up best as overall markets cool. I ag tend to agree with this one as well. Um, I, I do think that uh, most markets are going to be impacted and go flat or even slightly negative. But when we look comparatively, it's kind of obvious, right? Like the cities that grew the most during the pandemic are at the biggest risk. You see these cities like Reno and Boise and LA and Seattle and Phoenix and Austin that grew 20, 30, 40%. Like it's not sustainable. The houses are not affordable in those markets. And so they have the largest likelihood of coming down. And most of them are already coming down. A lot of them have come down um, on a month over month from their peak. But what we really care about, again, um, don't believe everything you see on the internet when people say things are crashing. Look year over year. That's what you should care about when you look at a regional housing market. Year over year, they are starting to come down, and, and that's to be expected. Um, so I do think that uh, this is a good analysis. If you look at some of the lead indicators for markets in the Northeast and the Midwest, uh, and lead indicators are just data points that basically help predict future data points. I think I like to look at inventory, days on market, uh, you know, new listings. If you look at those things in cities like Boston or Philadelphia or some areas of Connecticut, um, Chicago, Madison, you know, some of these cities in the Midwest and the Northeast, they look more stable. They don't look like they're reverting back to pre-pandemic trends in the same way as some of these West Coast cities. Look at Denver, look at Austin, look at uh, California. You see inventory is spiking, days on market is spiking, and that puts downward pressure on prices. So I, I agree with this. I do also think that there are some areas in the Southeast that are overheated, um, and, and but there are some areas that are going to do well. So like 
Think about a city like Tampa in Florida. Like Florida in general probably has some markets that are going to see some declines like the villages. Uh, I think it's, I don't even know much about it. It's like a planned community. But uh, uh, it, it just went crazy. And there's a lot of analysis out there that shows that like the villages, for example, is going to take a hit, big hit. But I think like areas like Tampa, for example, seem to be doing really well. So I think there are still subsections in the Southeast, in the West that are still going to hold up okay. But we're just talking generally speaking. Like if you want to talk on like a regional basis, then yes, I agree. Midwest, Northeast are probably going to do best as a whole. But there are still markets in North Carolina that are going to hold up great. And in the Southeast, in Texas, there are markets that are probably still going to do well. Um, even in California, even in the in the West, there are some markets that will do well. But on overall, I agree with this. Brings us to prediction number five. Rents will fall and many Gen Zers and young millennials will continue renting indefinitely. All right. I have a, I have a lot of opinions about this. I, I'm going to just say I don't necessarily agree with this. Um, rents will fall. Yes, I think rents are falling in some cities. We're seeing household formation slow down, but I think the rent is going to be very, very regional, right? Some markets are definitely going to see rents continue to go up. Areas with large population growth, wage growth are probably still going to see rents go up. And I do think some markets will see rents go down, um, probably in areas where there's a lot of large multifamily complexes coming online. If you look at some of the data coming out, there are areas where there's just so many multifamily units coming on, specifically in the second quarter of 2023. Those areas could see rents come down. I mean, it's areas like, honestly, Arizona is like one of the most guilty areas, Texas and Florida. So you might see rents come down, but generally speaking, rent is very sticky. And like, I don't think it will fall that much. You know, you might see 1%, 2%, 3% drops. You know, uh, on a national basis, I would be surprised if we see rent go down more than 1 or 2%. So, that 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 could change, you know, it could be wrong, but rent is generally really sticky. Just for context, back in 2008, you know, the peak to trough home prices fell, you know, over 20%. Uh, rent fell like six to 8%, depending on who you believe. So, you know, it's a fraction, you know, it's, you know, a third roughly of what home prices fell. And I think that's probably going to be true. Rent is just stickier than home prices generally. Now, I take exception to the second part of this prediction where they say that Gen Z and young millennials will rent indefinitely. Now, I don't know what that means. Does that mean they're going to rent for the next two years? Yeah, sure, probably. But I feel like for the last 15 years, people have been saying like, millennials don't want to buy houses. They're renters forever. We're becoming a renter nation. And it's just not true. Like, I don't know how to say it in more ways, but the data just does not support this. First of all, the home ownership rate in the United States is relatively stable for the last like 60 years. It, it goes between 63% and 69%. Right now we're at 66%. So we're like right in the average over the last 60 years. So saying that we're a renter nation, not true currently. Of course, things can change in the future, but right now that is not true. And at least as of the last census reading, it was trending upward. So I don't know if that's going to continue, but the idea that we're like all of a sudden all renters is just not accurate. The second thing is that people since the Great Recession have been saying millennials don't buy homes. They don't want to buy homes. It's not that they don't want to buy homes. It's that they couldn't afford homes. If you look at all the data, it shows that they couldn't, they weren't earning enough money. This was the aftermath of the Great Recession. Wages were really suppressed and they couldn't afford homes. 
Now, when interest rates dropped and there was an infusion of cash into the market during the pandemic, millennials bought a ton of homes. It wasn't that they didn't want to buy homes. It's that they couldn't afford homes. And as soon as macroeconomic conditions allowed them to buy homes, we saw this massive increase in demand for homes for millennials. And that is one of the major drivers that pushed up home prices over the last couple of years. So this idea, I don't know if Redfin is saying this, like, I don't know if they're saying that they'll never buy homes, but this idea that millennials or Gen Z or any generation for that idea doesn't want to own their own home, I think is really overstated. And it's just a matter of uh, affordability. Like when people can afford homes, they tend to want to buy homes. And I think that is not going to change. So again, I do agree that like, given the low affordability in the entire housing market right now, young people are going to be hit the hardest by that, right? They have the least time to save. They tend to have the lowest income. And so it's likely that Gen Z and young millennials will not be jumping into the housing market right now. But as soon as they're able to, I think they will jump in. All right. Last prediction. They did make 12 predictions, but I sort of picked my favorite. So not to keep you uh, forever here. But the last prediction that they made here is builders will focus on multifamily rentals. And this is another one I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted about. So if we're talking relatively, like our builders going to build more multifamily than single family homes in 2023? Sure. Yeah, I believe that because there is a national housing shortage and it is more efficient to build multifamily than it is single family. But I just generally think construction is going to be down in 2023. We are seeing, I just said sort of in the last, when we were talking about rents, uh, that there is a lot of supply coming online in multifamily rents in the next year. Not like so much that it's going to, you know, make up all of the housing shortage over the last couple of years, but it's a lot. And so I do think, you know, if I were a builder, I would sort of want to see how things play out over the next couple of months with rents, with cap rates, with interest rates, and I wouldn't be building a lot. That's just me. I've never built a house, so take that with a grain of salt. But um, I, I know I talk to a lot of syndicators, people who build, and I think that's the general sentiment is like, yes, maybe if you are building, you're going to build multifamily instead of single families. But generally think speaking, I think we're just going to see lower construction, which might help stabilize the market a little bit and not see a glut of supply. But overall, the U.S. just needs more housing. And so I hope that I'm wrong about that. And I hope that we uh, we see more construction because generally speaking, to get the market to a place of more affordability where investors and homeowners can buy and the market becomes less volatile, right? It's just so volatile right now. And that's not good for everyone. And I know People think that's odd coming from a real estate investor. Like, you don't want to see the market go up like crazy? No, I don't. I want it to be predictable. And that is we for that to happen, we need a better balance of supply and demand. And that is not where we're at. We need more supply. And so I hope I'm wrong about this, but I do think we're going to see uh, construction come down quite a bit in 2023. All right, that is it for my predictions for, or I guess they're not my predictions, my reactions to Redfin's uh, predictions for 2023. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please make sure to give us a review. We really, really appreciate it uh, on either Apple or Spotify or subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really helps us and supports us in making the show. 
If you have any thoughts or questions about my reactions or thoughts of your own hot takes on the 2023 housing market, feel free to go on the Bigger Pockets forums. We have an on the market forum there, or you can hit me up on Instagram where I'm at the Data Deli. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time for On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. And a big thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but at the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market, it's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.